everyone welcome to another episode of the market disruptor show and i am sitting down today with one of my good friends jake ducey um, i've done a few videos on his channel we've gotten to know each other really well and i am so happy to bring him and, and introduce him to you guys today uh, a lot of good stuff we're going to talk about um, jake welcome to the show hey thanks for having me mark yeah so you know jake uh, we've we've talked quite a bit we've done some st stuff together um you you, you have a very interesting story that I want you to dig into a little bit, but I know you spend a lot of time on the personal development side, which is super important. Um, I talk a lot about um, a lot of training that I've done really is about the mental side of investing because the mental side is where we always get an edge, no matter if it's sports or business or investing. So I talk a lot about that. And so I, I'm interested to talk to you about the mental side of that. Um, but also um, you have been interviewing non-stop some of the best guys in the industry and so I'll, i'm interested to learn what is some of the secrets that you've been picking up and then i know you're really focused on uh specifically kind of like mining stocks uranium silver things like that so i want to get into some of that some predictions where, what you're looking at where you think things are going so those are some of the topics that we'll cover but um just give us a real quick backstory on you real quick uh, you have a pretty interesting story which i love and just real quick, the reason why I love that is because I believe American was, was built on individualism. And it's that we are two different people that makes this country great because you have different life experiences. I have different life experiences. And so it gives us um, ways to see things differently, which then means we have different problems that we see, which means we bring different solutions. And so you definitely have a different story. So let's let's hear it real quick. Hey, just a real quick interruption to let you know that this video is brought to you ad-free by BlockFi. Now, they're giving you the ability to hodl your Bitcoin and your crypto as it goes up in value. And at the same time, you can earn high yielding interest on it. So you can basically hold it for all the upside potential, and then you can make cash flow off of it at the exact same time. Now, opening an account super fast, <clears throat> super simple, and they've offered to give me up to $250 for every signup. But I told them, you know what, let's give it back to you. So you can now go and you can get the $250 whenever you set up your account. And all you have to do is just check the link in the description for details, set up an account super quick and easy and earn up to $250 brought to you by BlockFi. So check them out. Yeah, that was a nice way of saying I'm a weirdo, right? Like I'm, I'm, no, I'm interested in, in so many things, right? And um, now I'm just joking. But what I was saying was... Um, yeah, man, I think that at the core, you're right. You know, I've been in the personal development industry for the last eight years. I, when I was 19 years old, I was a freshman in economics class. My dad showed me how the financial system worked during Thanksgiving break, freshman year of college. And his hair was like all crazy. And like, he just like got red pilled into the matrix and was like, oh my gosh, like everything I've done and all my taxpayer money in this system I bought into is, you know, it's a fraud. And so I went back to class economics and I asked my teacher why we couldn't audit the Federal Reserve. And so he basically told me to shut up, memorize my textbook. We got in like a legitimate fight in class and everyone in class wanted me to shut up so they could memorize their textbook for their exam too. Right. And so I dropped out of college shortly thereafter, kind of was very angry about everything that was happening in the world, you know, once I kind of woke up to it. And I think that happens a lot when you really see how much of a Ponzi scheme this entire financial and political system is. Yeah. And so I decided to 
drop out of college. Everyone said it was crazy, but my dad said, you know, you should do it. This whole system, you're waking up, go out, you know, go. So I went in vagabond, just kind of cruised around and tried to discover what um, the purpose of my life was about. I called the book Into the Wind, My Six-Month Journey, Wandering the World for Life's Purpose. So I wrote that book when I was like 2021 and Noma published it. So I self-published, but I sold 20,000 copies, the first 10,000 largely out of the trunk of my car in guerrilla marketing. I would go to every farmer's market, different day of the week, rent tables at college campuses. And so that was what I did for the last 10 years. And the reason that, I- That's an amazing number. Yeah, we sold a lot of that books, man, a lot. And then I was the first motivational speaker ever on Vans Warp Tour, which was the largest running, you know, you, sure. you nod your head like you know what it is. So yeah, um, yeah the at the time- I grew up in Southern California. Of okay. course I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, so at the time, Kevin Lyman um, was my manager at the time. And so he's the, he's the owner or was the owner. It's not in existence anymore, but ran for 25 years. So I was their motivational speaker and at, my wife and I, sold the books all over. And that was what we did. I didn't use the internet, didn't know anything about the internet. And, um, you know, I was in the personal development industry because, you know, once you look into the system more and you see Edward Bernays is kind of the father of modern PR, he's the nephew of Sigmund Freud. He used Sigmund Freud's discoveries about the subconscious to, you know, create this modern PR system. And so I believe at the core, basically all my anger, I was able to redirect it into kind of spiritually awakening, finding my purpose. And I believe that when we can also wake up mentally and we realize we, we break free from all this conditioning of the world, you know, to, taught to believe we aren't good enough, smart enough, give up all of our authority and power to sources and things outside of ourselves. And so that's been my focus. And then um, my business, I went online and that took off. Main channels got 600,000 subs, personal development stuff, totally different than finance. And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not totally different. We're going to tie that back together, <laughs> but go ahead and keep going. No, but that's it, man. And then eight months ago, you know, I was doing all my investing on the side and I had this other passion, you know, that originally woke me up, which was, you know, macroeconomics, the social political yeah. system, investing commodities. And so I started this channel and that's how you and I met, you know, and it ended up taking off in the last eight months. But yeah, that's kind of a long story. Yeah, that's a great of, story. Of, so of me. It's a great story. And so for everybody listening, uh, you may not be into this na na nu nu like personal development stuff, but listen, man, it is so important. As I, as I said in the intro, like the mental edge is what separates the elite in any discipline. And so that's why I spend a lot of time doing training for my audience on the mental side of investing. So I want to get into that because without it, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're not going to succeed. So we'll, we'll tie that back together. But I want to go backwards real quick. You said that your dad red-pilled you. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know at this point, it's a matrix reference, right? Eat the blue or the red pill. <laughs> the red pill, you see the whole world that you don't want to see. And once you see it, you can't unsee it, unfortunately, right? That's the story that everybody tells. And I've, I've witnessed that. But I'm curious if you can remember, what was like, what was, what was it that he told you? Or what was your big like epiphany? If you, if you can remember like one thing or a couple things that were like shocking, that was that, that red pill moment. Um, the Federal Reserve and the creation of the Federal Reserve, you know, in 1913, and the fact that, you know, they essentially, they're a private corporation that essentially has shareholders and they're, you know, they're, they're using it to enslave the entire world, uh -huh. you know, and so at the core, it was that. And know? how they're and just being able that, to print, print money uh, out of thin air or something. <laughs> 
Yeah, like you said, when you did your Cambridge House International interview, what was the title of that? It was like you said that fiat currency has created, you know, the majority of all the problems in the world, like at the yeah. courts that yeah. and it's malicious what they're doing, you know, they know this is not you can't do this forever. They know that. Yeah. And so it was that, you know, and and at the time, it just made me angry. But then yep. that led me to personal development and trying to find more optimism and purpose in life. And what, so, you know, I, I think they're both important. Yeah, what's funny is um, I have uh, I have two daughters and my youngest is 11, but it was a couple of years ago. She might have been nine, um, nine or 10. Maybe we're driving in the car and uh, <laughs> my kids don't like it when I talk about this stuff too much. They like roll their eyes. But she was like she was sitting next to me in the car front seat and I was talking to her about the banking system. I was talking to her about the Federal Reserve and how um, they basically print money out of thin air. And the more they print, it takes value out of other people's bank accounts and this and that. Right. And she looks over at me. And she's like, why don't people know about this? Like, are, why are people OK with that? And I'm just like, it was just it, for her to have that epiphany and for her to say that at nine or 10 years old. Um, was was pretty amazing. So uh, yeah, when you learn about the inner workings, it's pretty amazing, right? So uh, that's that's a pretty cool moment. So thanks for sharing that. So um, that led you down this path. Now you learned about the financial system. You were in an economics class, which is obviously to learn about money, right? The economy. Uh, but then you left money to go into personal development, which is okay, right? I mean, that's the base uh, of of I guess driving us to become better in all areas of life. So. Tell me how that transition went from being focused on money, being shocked about money, and then going away from money. Um, you know, basically, I didn't. I knew that I didn't want to be part of the system, and that's what I was training myself to do. Yeah. And you know, it's ten years later; it's worked out so well with you know, multiple businesses that have done really well and leveraged the internet. But it was almost like the universe brought me to them. I just. I always say it's better to appear strange to others than to be a stranger to yourself. And it was either, you know, I was going to go get, do my life and just do little random hustle jobs or be a yoga teacher. I knew I didn't want to go back to school and go, I thought I was going to major in economics and I don't know, go be a salesperson for some company, you know? Um, and I realized that I wanted to do the things that, you know, it inspired me. And at first it was backpacking around the world and writing a book about it. And then, you know, I didn't know where that was leading. Like I said, no one would publish my book. So I printed 5,000 copies and I filled my whole sedan up with my boxes of books and I just sold them. And then that led to selling enough where, you know, I did a TEDx talk and then that led to meeting Jack Canfield and my book agent, which led to getting a book deal with Penguin Random House, which, you know, at 22 years old, my books were like on the shelf. And then like that led to another book, which led to the internet. And, and I can't say I planned it all, but I now looking back and studying people like you and Robert Kiyosaki and all these things, like you need to have a business to escape this system yeah. in this world, um, having um, constantly being able to raise your income ceiling is really essential. And then also, um, you know, if you can have a scalable business, but we've all that leverages the internet, we've seen the government take people's businesses away. And so that's kind of what happened. Um, I wish I could say I was like 20 years old and I was like, you know, the perfect way to do your business is to do all these things and then let, you're going to leverage YouTube and you're going to write books. And like, it just kind of happened 
Whereas, you know, and that's why I wanted to make my new channel was, yeah. you know, to talk to people like you guys that have helped me, you know, learn let's, all these let's, things. Uh, let's, um, let's unpack that just a little bit because I, I want, there's a lesson in here that I want everybody to get. And so uh, you've, be, you've become a great investor and you talk to some of the highest level investors in the world. And there's a lot of information I want to get from you on that regard. So everybody painted, everybody listening right now, make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, but there's a lesson right here that I kind of want to unpack. And so, um, we, you and I, we've had several conversations, right? Where um, I see so many people coming into my world that um, want to learn about investing. They, they, they think they can quit their job and become a full-time investor. And we've talked about how really we need to focus on wealth creation first. Now you did that, but you talk about it like you just ha happened into it, right? But you didn't really, right? You, you were given opportunities, but you continue to take advantage of those opportunities. People have opportunities every day that they don't take, they don't say yes to, they don't take advantage of. So you were like a happy-go-lucky, like, oh, I just kind of shucks I got into this, but not really, right? Because you continue to push, you continue to do that. Um, I mean, do you see it that way? I mean, that that's one question. The second question I would say is, um, do you see it that it wasn't just happenstance? I mean, you were, you, you were actively taking action on that, building that out. But also the other thing I would ask you is, um, you didn't know in advance that you wanted to have this YouTube channel and start interviewing investors, um, but you were open to those opportunities of, of building that business out and kind of following where those passions took you. So tell me how those two things kind of came together. Yeah, to be honest, it, it all came from YouTube. Um, at first, when I went, I did all the platforms with my personal development and my books and everything, but um, then I started using YouTube and you know, my main channel got 600,000 subscribers in a couple of years. And that led to millions of website visits and I learned how it worked. And so first of all, I'd say that, you know, because then I was just able to apply the same model over. But, to, it, so but, I, it, but it, but it started with you like finding something that you had interest in or you had mm -hmm. passion in and then pursuing that. Right. So I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is like, shoot, I'm making 15 bucks an hour or 50 bucks an hour, whatever it is. And I'm stuck. I'm in a job. I'm a slave. I want to do something different. I don't know what to do. And uh, I, I think the lesson here is that you didn't know that it was going to lead to here, but you knew what you were doing wasn't what you wanted. And so if you followed what your interest and passions were, it would lead you to where you wanted to go. I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking because so many people today, they're stuck and they don't like where they're at and they, and they want to change, but they don't know what to do. And I, I think it always goes back to, well, what do you want to do? Where do you spend your time? Where do your interests, what are your passions? And now figure out a way to use those to take you to the next level. And that's, that's what I see that you did. Am I getting that right? Yeah, you know, what always really amazed me in the work in personal development, you know, with all the all the things that we've done, how few people actually even know what they want. And I had never asked myself that question my whole life. And I think waking up to the financial system and seeing a lot of what I thought was true was wrong. And thus, then it made me go, well, what, why the heck are we alive? Might as well do something that you care about. And I think right. it goes back to what you said is individuality and thinking for ourselves, you know, you know, it's almost become trendy after Steve Jobs said to follow your passion in his Stanford, Peach, Stanford speech, excuse me, there were people that said, no, don't follow your passion. You know, that doesn't make you any money. You have to think strategic. And it's like, good luck trying yeah. to like spend 15 years building a business that you don't have any passion or interest in. Yeah, it won't work. So I think that's 
step number one, you know, is like, that's what changed my life is asking myself, yeah, what do I really want? And it was personal development, studying psychology, the subconscious mind. How do we have the hop? How do we have the operating system that controls our whole life with all of our habits, how we interact with money, what we do and do not achieve in our life, how we think of ourselves, you know, that led me down that rabbit hole and it ended up writing books and it yeah. turned into something, but you're right. I mean, it's, I guess, step number one is we've got to reclaim our sovereignty, right? Yeah. So I just want to nail this uh, topic home and then we'll, we'll move on. But so uh, the lesson that I'm seeing, um, there's a show that I'm watching with my kids right now. It's an amazing show and everybody should go watch it. I might have mentioned to you the other day, uh, Undercover Billionaire. I don't know if I mentioned to you. The other yeah, day. you were telling me all about it. Uh, so anybody watching this that's interested in what we're talking about right now, just go onto your whatever platform and just search for Undercover Billionaire and watch that. I'm not going to go deep into that, but everybody should go watch it if you're interested in creating wealth. But anyway, back to the lesson that I want to nail down here is that one, you chased your passion. Now, uh, individuals, we all have different passions and we all see different problems. A couple of things that are important with that. One is that um, if you're not passionate about it, as you said, uh, you're never gonna put the amount of time in that's required. And it's not easy to succeed in anything. And so it requires a lot of time and effort. And if you don't love it, you won't ever be able to put the time and effort in required to do it. So that's why you have to start with your passion. Now, um, you might have a bunch of different passions. So for me, surfing is a passion, big time. I want to surf all the time. Um, but I also love business. I also love investing. So, well, even though surfing is a passion, it's probably not the best way to make money. So why don't I focus on another passion that has a better path? So there is some strategy there because as humans, right, we should have lots of interests and passions. So that's, that's, the le that's the lesson I want to pull out of what you're saying because it's super important. The other thing that I would say is that a lot of times people are waiting for that boat to come in. That's the quote, right? Waiting for my boat to come in. You didn't sit around and wait for a book deal and someone to give you money to write a book. No, you went and wrote the book, put them in your friggin' trunk and drove around the country and sold them yourself. And so what I love the quote is, if your boat isn't coming in, swim out and get that boat. And so that's what you did. And so that's the lesson that, I, that I'm hearing and, and it encourages me and I want more people to, to hear that. So am I getting that all right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. You know, I learned from Napoleon Hill's book, Thinking Grow Rich. He goes through the Latin definition of the word decide mm -hmm. and it's to kill off any other alternatives, to, ki to kill off any all other outs, decide. And, you know, I think that's obviously life-changing, at least I've found. And yeah. for me, I was kind of thinking about what you said, then I think it just goes to a couple things, right? You said there's numerous passions or areas of interest. It might be that, um, you, you know, you have something that's in landscaping, or it might be something in finance or something in massage. But then I think the next question, you know, I guess to be more, uh, grounded in it is, is there a sellable market in it? Um, then the next question is, are you, can you ultimately um, sell this without directly trading your, your time for money? Is there a scalable mm -hmm. uh, element to it? And then can you use the internet for an additional scalable element? And you know, thankfully, uh, you're able to do that with all, I mean, technically you could do it with surfing. I mean, there are ways to do it. I mean, you could build sure, a, sure. you know, I so could. obviously there's, there's yeah. uh, more money in, in strategically yeah. investing and, and things like that. But um, yeah. yeah, I think those are important things that, that helped me a lot. 
there's a whole lesson just in that. And if anybody wants to know more about that specifically, identifying businesses, building that out, building out passions, leave comments down below and maybe Jake and I will get back together and we can just talk just about that. This show isn't going to be spent talking about that, but leave comments, send me messages if you want us to dig in. Maybe we'll do another one talking about that. But um, so moving on a little bit from there, uh, I'll, I'll say one more thing. If you don't know what your passions are, you don't have enough passions, then you need to go expand your world. And so Jake went and traveled the world. And so because he went and traveled the world, because he was in college, he was out of college, he read books, he traveled the world, it expanded his worldview, which then gave him more interest and more passions. And so if you find yourself like, I don't have an interest or passions, turn the friggin' TV off, put your phone down, start reading books, start driving, even just in your local area, like you have to like start getting experiences. Now, moving on from that, um, I can tell that you can really grab information and, th and synthesize it very well. Um, and then put out new information. And I can see that because of how your dad gave you information and you synthesized it and it changed your worldview um, and you've continued to move on from there. So um, now the last, you said eight months, you, you started a second channel. I love prosperity. I'm gonna link to it down below. Everyone should watch it. Um, but you've been interviewing some of the highest level investors in the game, um, uh, mainly around mining stocks and stuff like that, I think. But I've built my career on a, quote that I think Tony Robbins said that success leaves clues. So I'm always trying to find Hey, just another quick interruption to let you know that this video is brought to you ad free by BlockFi. Now they allow you to hold onto your Bitcoin and your other cryptos for all the potential upside. And at the same time, you can earn high yielding interest on it. So it basically cash flows. Now with BlockFi, you can earn up to 8.6% interest. You can also borrow against your crypto as well. It's super fast. It's super easy to set up an account. And right now you can get up to $250 when you set up your account. Check the link in the description that I have for details in order to claim that $250 because BlockFi is the future of finance. Just check the link in the description for all the details of how to claim your $250 today. Find, um, I'm always trying to find successful people to find out what I can learn from them, right? So you've been interviewing these people. You've been synthesizing this data. I'm just curious, uh, one, how much of an impact do you think that's made on your life over the last, whatever, six, eight months? And maybe what are a couple, some of the lessons that maybe you think that you've learned? Yeah, man, my whole life, to be honest, ever since I dropped out of college was changed by mentors. Um, in the personal development industry, it was Bob Proctor and Jack Canfield, my agent, Bill Gladstone, those three people. And I, and I was so young that I think, you know, I, I didn't even try to pretend like I knew what I was doing. I would say, I have so much energy, you know, I have that competitive stuff from sports, but I have no idea. What do I do? What do I do? Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And Bob Proctor used to say that, um, follow what, I, or, uh, follow what I'm doing until you find out that I don't know what I'm talking about or I'm lying. And I do know what I'm talking about. And, you know, and so that was always my path and it really changed my life, you know, all throughout, I just would find the top 1% and, and try to develop a relationship where, you know, they wanted to help. And so um, when I started the prosperity channel, I really started that because I was investing heavy on my own. And I was like, this is a whole nother passion that doesn't really make sense to put content out with my main brand um, because it's different types of content. And I had no idea it was going to take off. I was like, I could probably just leverage my existing, you know, brand on YouTube to land some huge interviews you know? And so, um, 
you know, I've learned a lot about silver. I've learned a lot about um, uranium. I've learned a lot about trying to control my emotions better. You know, like you said, you know, one of the, in, in investing, you know, one of the most important things is still the mindset. And so I've, it's interesting, my personal development journey, but then getting a real world experiencing with it, you know, going through, you know, volatile markets, obviously, you know, crypto, silver, uranium. Um, these are pretty volatile markets. So I've learned a lot about trying to control my emotions. I learned about putting proper asset allocations, which has greatly diminished my emotional instability. Big time, big time. <laughs> um, let's, let's, and so I've learned a lot. Let's talk about that. So um, you've, you've learned a lot um, from them about handling your emotions and how even asset allocation helped you handle your emotions. And so uh, maybe a couple things that they've given you like long-term perspective or um, patience or um, by not risking it all in one and instead diversifying. So you, you're not so involved or what are some of the things that have helped you with that specifically? Yeah. Um, allocation on um, that I've learned from Rick rule. Sorry, I got my son. I got the sun coming in right now from Rick rule. I learned to before, Right when I started, I didn't really have, I didn't even have even allocations between actual stocks within the class. And now what I've tried to do that I've learned from also another guy I interviewed, his name's Traderford. I just use my interviews like I'm trying to get mentored, you know? Yeah, and yeah so, I know. That's why I want to know what, that's why I want to know what so, you're learning. <laughs> and so one to 5% on all my different, so like if I, if I put a position into a mining stock or I put a position into anything, I try to keep it all within one to five. A lot of my emotional, I, I had like, I would have a 25% in my, my portfolio. So when you say one, one to five, you mean, uh, don't risk more than 5% of your portfolio in any one position. Yeah. Max. So one, 1% to 5% of your total portfolio in any one position. Yeah, that's what I learned from this guy that I interviewed named Trader Ferg that I had on. And it's helped me a lot emotionally. So that's one thing that I've learned. It's so also given so me better so, returns. So, so typically on a trade, you would maybe want to risk about 1%. On a good researched investment, you might want to risk up to 5%. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's kind of what I got out of or what I applied the way that I did it. Um, obviously, I didn't learn anything ever about investing. I didn't learn anything about it in school. And, you know, I realized there was good opportunities in these commodities, but learning just, uh, I think probably a healthier but that's a, allocation that, to it has helped me a lot. That's such a powerful lesson just right there. So um, I was just watching this documentary really good. It's called The China Hustle. Really powerful uh, documentary. Well done. You should check it out. Anyone should. But um, at how Chinese companies were fraudulent and sucking money out of the U.S. Uh, markets. And they interviewed at the end, these, these uh, retired people, these old, old people, and they, they lost all their money. And this guy's like, I lost all my money. I bought the stock at $9. It was only worth 10 cents when it was done. And I was like, who would put all their money into any stock, period, much less some unknown Chinese company, right? Regardless, but like, don't they know you don't risk more than 5% of your portfolio in any one stock? And so I was just watching this just a couple of nights ago, and that was the thought I had exactly what you're saying. And I seen the same thing. Um, I wrote a cryptocurrency newsletter for four years, and we put out over over 20 calls that went up a thousand percent, but people were still losing money. <laughs> and it was because of that allocation piece. So it's super powerful. Um, but go ahead and keep going. What else? What else? Uh, maybe a couple other. No, ones. you're right, man. I mean, that's uh, it's been a game change. It's actually I've actually made more money since I've I've reallocated properly as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think why people like you are important is because, you know, 
we don't know any of this stuff. So I'd say that's really changed my life then also. So I, I was number one was I, you know, buy physical silver and gold bullion was how I ever made my first investment into anything other than fiat currency. And I invested primarily in silver over gold. And, you know, in hindsight, looking back at it, I really did it at first because my bullion dealer, I didn't know that much about it. And he said, I'm not letting you buy gold. Silver just has so much upside. It was like 16 bucks, you know? Yeah. And he's so he said to be there. So learning a little bit in real world, um, quote unquote, investment about supply and demand. Then when I got more interested um, in investing into mining stocks, in silver mining stocks because of the upside, that's where I learned more about uranium. And after March, they were so cheap. So that's really changed my life. I've done amazing in, in uranium. I mean, anyone's done amazing in uranium. I mean, a lot of these stocks have went up 200%. It's February now since December. I mean, some of them went 300% since December. And I'm not talking the year before. I'm in the last two months. Right. And so like, that's kind of dumb luck. You know, it's like, I just kind of got into it. And then I started interviewing a bunch of people. And that's been amazing is having a uranium exposure, um, talking to other can we, people. Can we talk about that uranium for a minute? So um, yeah, I, I know you follow that quite a bit. I know you've talked to a bunch of uranium people. And it's a market that I kind of have my eye on. I've looked at it a little bit. Um, and so it seems like it seems like uranium is uh, or nuclear power, I should say, in my opinion, seems like it's the only viable option for us moving forward if we want clean energy, um, carbon-free energy, I should say, right? We have clean natural gas, and I would imagine we could make it cleaner if we invested a little bit of money into it. Uh, but if we want to go whatever, carbon-free or, or whatever, nuclear seems to be the only option. But at the same time, it seems it's very hated today. And I understand we want to buy what's hated when it has potential upside, right? Get there first. But it seems to me that uh, uranium is still in the downward hated model. And, and what I mean by that, I know you just left California, me too. Um, we had three nuclear reactors, two have been shut down. There's still another one scheduled to be shut down. So it seems like most countries are still scheduling to shut the nuclear reactors down. Um, are other countries opening them up very fast? Like, How do you see that uh, hated and supply demand thing working out if, if, you've, if you've figured it out? Yeah, it's, um, it's hated maybe on a more uh, social level, but on a political level, it's actually one of the only things that Democrats and Republicans agree on. And that's because of course, is the amount of um, electrical needs that our world has that are gonna keep going up. We're seeing instability in, in grids in many places in the world. And nuclear is the only viable option. China pollutes a lot. China knows they need to go more nuclear. Japan has just talked recently about bringing all the reactors back online. Oh, they um, have. Um, it's needed just that. Yeah. It's also 20% of the United States based power load. That's going to increase. Um, you know, doesn't and then it seem it's like the U S is trying, story. doesn't it seem like the U S and I know like Germany, they're like trying to shut down nuclear reactors or you think you, you're starting to see talk they of policy. They're not going to be, they're not going to, yeah, but they're not going to be able to. You cannot go down from the 20% base load. Most of the world is closer to 10% from what I've learned from all the people that I've been uh, interviewing and, and, and such. So that's a lot, you know, and there's a supply and demand deficit story that, you know, is a different story, but it's needed. It's one of, you know, Republicans, obviously, they're down for whatever types of energy, whereas Democrats have been more conservative and saying they want a renewable. And so, you know, they're not as, hey, we're doing natural gas, they prefer to avoid that. 
but they're on board with, with nuclear as well. There's dozens and dozens. I sent you a chart a long time ago about every single nuclear reactor that's being built or planning to go online by 2025. It's crazy. What I saw was within this decade, by the end of 2030, um, the biggest company is um, Kaza Prom. And it's like the biggest, that's the, that's the Russian company. And they've got all, you know, their biggest producer in the world. It said that, and I'm butchering their name. And it said, uh, KAP is their ticker symbol, that two more of them, of their, all of their production need to come online this decade to meet the coming um, demand for nuclear. And the, the price is only 30 bucks. It needs to go to about 50 or so to incentivize more mines to come online because it's about $50 with financing or so per pound to bring more uranium on online. And so whether some people in the public don't like it or not, it, the fact is it's going to be, it's going to be needed and it's a misunderstood subject, you know, I believe um, it is misunderstood. Yeah. So I think as people understand it, it's actually one of the only things where you see Democrats and Republicans agree agreeing on, you know, it's one of the only things. And so um, I think that's going to be changing drastically, especially as, you know, there's more and more third world countries that want more and more of the luxuries of the first world. That is a, you know, more, more the electrification of the world. And yeah. one of the most or the most important component of the electrification of the world and, and it, that we have, especially on a safety level, is because so many countries want to lower their carbon emissions. I mean, China's, I think they're the biggest polluter in the world. For sure. They've, they've agreed yeah. because they've got people just like dropping dead in the street in China. Like you do not know their air quality is so bad and they've been using coal. And um, so they know that like they can't just like have people dropping dead in the streets. And when it was really bad, when, when I know when I was younger, there's like certain days where you weren't allowed to go outside and like, you know, so this is just right now, it's, it's, it, it coexists perfectly with the renewables that the Democrats want, which they control both aspects. And it's something, you know, Republicans also are on board with because they know it's dependable. You know, we know we're not gonna have powers, you know, problem powers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, I made a video talking about the California blackouts that happened a few months ago that went kind of viral, I think half a million views, something like that. And I said, it's coming for the rest of the country at that in that video. And of course, now we see it happening in Texas. And the reason why is because it's, it's policy, right? So they're choosing to shut down production for renewables, but renewables aren't reliable. Renewables, it's not always sunny. <laughs> the wind doesn't always blow. Sometimes it's so cold, the propellers freeze up, <laughs> like it's just not reliable. Um, and so, you know, going back to fossil fuels is more reliable, or I think going to nuclear. Um, so anyway, um, I, I kind of I kind of agree. I was just curious where you're at. I know in California, we still still scheduled to shut one of our, our third and only last one down. So but it makes sense. Uh, other parts of the world will pick up demand. Cal and California's just got to get a little bit more used to losing their power on a regular basis. You know, it's California. They're the most dinosaur primitive in their understanding of how to create a stable society. So, you know, <laughs> by the time they get back on, the price of uranium is going to be a hundred bucks a hundred bucks a pound. They'll be they'll be last to the club, of course. Yeah. 
Well, man, there's uh, so much more I wanted to talk to you about, but um, I know we're running short on time. Uh, I guess the last thing I would say is uh, I'll, I'll just ask you a question based off that comment you made about California. Um, they do seem to be pretty backwards in their policies and maybe um, maybe from your personal development world, you've learned that sometimes people aren't ready to make change until they reach rock bottom. <laughs> and so maybe California does have to hit rock bottom before, before there's change. But um, you've, you've recently left California. I have as well. Um, I think we both subscribe to the policy that we should go where we're treated best, right? Like why would we sit here and be treated poorly and overtaxed when we can go somewhere else that we're treated better? Um, I believe that is how the world improves in the future is through an open competition. So that um, we're, we're moving to the steady trend of more totalitarianism and no government's gonna wake up tomorrow and say, we have too much power, let's get freedom back. No, they'll never do that. But only through competition, they're gonna have to. So for example, both of you and I have left California and we're small fish, but big fish have left, the big corporations have left, Texas is out competing right? Nevada is out competing. And now the governor is being recalled. And now Chamath's put his hat in the ring and he says he'll lower state taxes down to 0%. So they've realized too many people are leaving. The governor is being recalled and they have new policies coming back in place to bring people back. And it's that competition that could settle that. I'm curious what your thoughts are on uh, how maybe that plays out only for the country, but also for the world. Do you see that as a, as a big trend that do you think could really accelerate more freedom, I guess? Yeah, first, Newsom will probably hold it up in courts until he's out, and he'll be like, you know, we need to verify these are valid IDs and valid people, and so he'll probably and hold I, it And up. I saw, uh, to that point, I saw Biden already came in and started campaigning with him and said they're going to do everything they can to keep him in power. Yeah. Regardless of what the people want, of course, right? But yeah, he's Yeah, he's, a, he's definitely a, 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 a New World Order cut psychopath type of guy that'll do anything for power. So... Um, but I think that, um, I'm sorry, dude, what was your question? <laughs> oh, I was just curious, like, do you see this, this trend of competition, like you and I leaving out competing California, they're starting to lighten up. Do you see that trend of competition between states, but even countries as maybe something that reverses this trend of totalitarianism? That we're it's going my to only hope for the world, Mark. I told you that when you and I, it legitimately is, yeah. you know, we didn't really get into where things really are headed and, you know, there's not, there's a lot to be optimistic about opportunities and investments in business and things like that. But uh, for the stability of the world and having a six month year old, I'm not optimistic at all. And one of the things that makes me optimistic, if I can shift my focus, is countries competing. Yep. And, and you know, many guests have suggested that to me. And I had never really thought about it until people started saying it more me. and more. You know, I, I pray to I pray to God that um, you know there are there are leaders and political um, movements in the world. These types of politicians in some countries that wake up and say, you know, we need um, to have a real surplus and savings. Uh, we need to um, compete for high income earners that are low crime people that'll uplift our economy, and we're not going to. Uh, suppress their freedoms. We're not going to invade their private life. We're not going to overtax them. We're not going to um, try to control what they say because they recognize if they do it, they'll live a better life. Their budgets will be bigger. They'll be able to bring more and more enterprise around the world. They 
in and they could save in gold or they could save in Bitcoin. They could uh, have surpluses and resources like you hope that'll happen and a happy society because they're not being overly taxed. The government's not doing all these shady things. So I, I pray to God that it happens because I wonder what type of world, you know, I birthed the kid into, you know, when she's 25 years old. So I, I pray to God that like, they realize that there's a really good opportunity if you do these things, if you don't overtax, if you give people their freedoms, you, you know? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm in the same sentiment and I was probably one of those people on your show that gave you that idea, but, um, yeah, I agree. I have a couple kids and it is scary to think about that, but I, I just believe that human, uh, the drive for freedom of humans is always going to win. And I also believe, and, and we didn't talk about this and I'm kind of running out of time, but I also believe that, you know, and you know, we could dive deep into this, but you know, the difference in mindset from an abundance mindset to a scarcity mindset, and there's no limit to the amount of wealth in the world. A thousand years ago, we all lived in the dirt. Everything in the world has been created. There's no limit to the amount of wealth that can be created. And I think most, unfortunately, most politicians today have this scarcity mindset. And I think when that shifts, and it will, and the drive for human freedom, it's going to change that the course of that. And so um, I have a lot of hope for that. So I believe that the, the, the drive for human freedom will win. I believe competition is always going to win. Now, unfortunately, the, 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 the gap from here to there might not be so comfortable. But um, anyway, so uh, I'm praying to God with you. And uh, I, think, I think we'll win. So anything else that you want to say before we close it out? Mark, amen. Your C lick, Mark, you know, that was why you and I started vibing. And I felt like you were just that, you know, you're delivering those wise words. And I think you're right. I think people are, they're starting to wake up. And the more the government shows their hand, the more people are waking up and reclaiming their freedoms and their sovereignties. And so, uh, yeah, I think I, I'm with you. And, and I think that's where we're headed. Awesome, Jake. Well, um, I appreciate you taking so much time to uh, talk to us today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and link, uh, I'll link both your YouTube channels down below. Um, is there anywhere else that you want to direct people to follow you, keep up with you? Uh, you know, maybe, if, twi if maybe you Twitter as well. My channel. You're, you're pretty active on Twitter. We'll add that as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you want to check out my finance channel, if you just go to I Love Prosperity, and uh, that's about it. I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to your live event coming up on uh, Thursday, which we'll link that right there down below. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll link that below too. Yep. No, I was just I was stealing your phrase. You always say I'll link that down below. That's your that's like your catch that's your catchphrase. Yeah, I mean you got to give people extra stuff, right? Yeah, you do it, man. All right, Jake. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, and we'll see you soon. All right, thanks, Mark. See ya.